0: What is happening, everybody? It is me, Brian McWilliams, your favorite hungover person, joined today by two of my favorite hungover people, (laughs) which is, of course, the fantastic power couple of Matt and Terry Kibbe, founders of Free the People. And uh, Matt is also, of course, the host of Kibbe on Liberty. Welcome to Mean Age Daydream, you two. How are you doing? You're sounding a little rough, dude. I I, I look rough. I I mean, it's, it's, everything's been rough. You know, I was telling you guys, I was at the Rose bowl yesterday. So, you know, I'm yelling and screaming and, and, uh, talking to the youngins and showing them I can still hold my liquor. And that never ends up good. You know, it's always a painful experience. And currently Today, my liver has been trying to escape my body. So I've got a lot of duct tape over my asshole right now just to make sure it can't get out.
1: We uh, celebrated <laughs> the millennium, millennial, millennium. millennial um, New Year's at a three day fish concert at the Miccosukee mm. Indian Reservation, camping out with, you know, 100,000 of our favorite hippie friends. So this is wow. 23 years ago, right? When we were, quote, we thought we were young. And um, one of our friends was there and he was wearing a button down shirt. And, uh, and, and Oxford and Oxford and, and like one of the hippie girls walks by and, and looks at him and went, wow, it's so cool that people of your generation can still <laughs> go out and party. And I was like, I, I don't, I'm not violent and I don't really like to hit people, but I really did want to smack her upside the head. Yeah, I, I mean, did not yeah,
0: just, just a little reminder right. to have some, some decorum right. Yeah, re- res- and, and
1: respect res- for your elders. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but, but I will say, you guys, I mean, we've got out plenty, you know, in Austria, then in Vegas, you know, you guys could definitely uh, get out there and rock it. And as you said, on New Year's Eve, I guess you were opening up champagne magnums at uh, 1 a.m. Yeah, ugh,
1: it, it fell don't... into that category of seemed like a good idea at the time, which I think <laughs> might be what my tombstone says.
0: At least you didn't try to saber it open. That's how you know you made a, a turn into the, uh, no, into the gu- truly dangerous drinking.
1: Guilty as charged.
0: Did yeah. you? You sabered it?
1: No, oh, yeah. you didn't.
0: She's got a saber. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's awesome.
1: <laughs> of course. Of course, my
0: wife has a saber. Yeah. No, naturally. I mean, that's
2: I'll,
1: that's I'll what. The, I'll send you the video after this. She's actually a
2: video. Oh, please of, do. There's a video of her coming after
0: me with a saber. <laughs> <laughs> that's every year on your anniversary, probably. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so tell me about uh, speaking of, of uh, warfare, let's talk political warfare here on the Hill because you were up there today. You said for uh, Rand Paul swearing in and. Wanted to give us a little insight into what's going on there and also what's going on with the speaker, because, um, yeah, obviously there's some contentious actions going on between more of the Freedom Caucus people and the standard bearers for the GOP party.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the Senate swearing in was fairly boring and mundane, although there was a little bit of. Nobody really knew what to do. They were telling the, the senators that they couldn't leave the floor. Nobody really knew why. And it turns out that one of the newly elected senators had tested positive for COVID this morning. Uh. And they didn't know what to do because he had to be, like, sworn in. But they didn't know, like, bringing him onto the floor. So they did him, like, later and separate and, like, cleared this wide space around him. And he had on, I don't know, like, 27 masks. It was yeah. kind of hard to tell. I would love loved yeah, he right. rolled
0: in into like the uh the giant, you know, the American gladiator's <laughs> hamster ball bubble Yeah, yeah, no, that and, and just roll cool. them in on that and swear
1: them. I mean, in. if the government starts doing mandates, I think that's what they should mandate that we all have to go yeah. to the hamster balls to get around.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but the, the Kibbies have a rule. Um, so we we live on Capitol Hill and we're not that far from from the belly of the beast or Mordor or <laughs> or the Death Star, whatever your perfect metaphor is. And <laughs> And we have a strict rule because this 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 town is swarming with undesirables, meaning politicians, and
1: they're they're and, a little bit like vampires.
2: Yeah, they're mm. th- they try to get into the house, and and you know once you let a, a vampire into the house, everything's go goes sideways. So, we have a list now of about three people in Washington who are elected officials that will let into our house, and two of them got sworn in today: Senator Rand Paul and Senator Mike Lee. Um, I guess the only two senators that we sort of still do work with and, <laughs> and stuff like that. And then there's Thomas Massey in the house. Now that Justin Amash is gone, um, we're sort of down to one, although we're, we're checking out a couple of the new guys to see yeah. if they're worthy
1: of that. Chip Roy is. I mean, yeah. I was going to say, who do you, who's there.
0: the new, the new class that you consider letting in the, uh, the Kibbe um,
2: uh Chip Roy has been in the house and, and he's, um, he's, he's more conservative. Like I yeah. would, I would consider even uh, Mike Lee, who, um obviously, it's viewed as very conservative. he his mindset is very libertarian, mm. um particularly on things like war powers and and surveillance and a lot of the things that we care a lot about um and and chip but chip Roy was uh, back in the day he when he was a hill staffer, he was one of the few people that would work with us at freedom Works when we were trying to stop the Wall Street bailout. and it was it was a classic example of of all these beltway libertarians with some important exceptions, just taking a dive because it was a Republican president. Mm-hmm. And so I've always had a fond spot in my heart for a guy that would stand up on the committee of jurisdiction and come work with us, which is not in your best interest as, as a Republican staffer when a, when a Republican president is trying to do that. Yeah. So he's pretty good. But but um, Rand and Mike um, um, are pretty pretty close to uh well they're the best right. and and nobody's perfect and and i'm 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 the only perfect libertarian so
0: er- <laughs> everyone's know that everyone's gonna fail that get the saber again <laughs> saber him now on the video in well, front of me i want to uh, see uh, his blood
1: <laughs> well he he did actually have to get me a band-aid after this there was a slight sabering incident <laughs> really um yeah. do you remember getting me the band-aid yes okay i do so how, I big of a band,
0: how big of a band-aid is it? Just is it a tourniquet or is it? No, oh,
1: okay. just a little one. Um, it wasn't anything like the scene in Emily um in Paris from last episode or last season. Anyway, what I was about to say was, as we said today, we always kind of go into the new terms of Congress, you know, the House and the Senate, with open hearts, I guess, right? Like we are positive and and we want to have like think that everyone's going to do what they said they're gonna do, or in some cases. Not do what they said they were going to do, and so we keep that optimism as long as we can, usually until like the first vote, mm-hmm. and then they they show their true colors, and we just give up.
2: Spe- speaking of the first vote, into your original question, um, so race. so we're sitting in Rand's mm-hmm. office, um, waiting to go down to the Senate floor for the swearing-in thing, and we're watching CNN and the shit show that's that's rolling out in the House right now, and and we won't actually know until tomorrow. If then. Um, if then, what's going to happen? But, but Kevin McCarthy, um, perhaps singularly the most feckless potential leader of the House of Representatives in the history of this august body, is having a really hard time getting the votes from Republicans to, to become Speaker. And he, he actually withdrew his bid last time. I forget when last time was, but two, four years ago, the last time there was a fight for Republican leadership. McCarthy's been trying to get this for a long time and he can't get it done. And it's sort of relevant to, to I think, all, a lot of the drama that's going on from the Twitter files to everything else. What's happening is that the speaker's office, the position, not the person, is losing more and more power going all the way back to the Tea Party when, um, for, for not, not the first time, but for the first time that a lot of members got elected without the help of leadership, Mm-hmm. And and maybe against their own leadership, maybe maybe the Republicans were actually working against some of those those Tea Party activists that became became senators, like Mike Lee is a classic example of that. The leadership tried to kneecap him; they've been trying ever since to, still take are trying to take him they, out. They're trying to take They tried this time with with Evan McMullin. Um, so if you look at what's going on with the speakers race, the old speakers used to control the campaign budgets. They raised the money, they doled it out, so they owned your vote. And obviously you're gonna vote for the speaker because that person decides whether or not you get to be reelected. And since um, since especially the Tea Party, it's become more and more raucous. Remember John Boehner got taken out by Thomas Massey and mm-hmm. a couple of these guys that are causing trouble today. And and it's it's interesting to me because the response from leadership, both Republicans and Democrats, has been even more authoritarian. The more democratic the process gets, meaning that people get elected who don't fit the mold of a compliant Republican or a compliant Democrat, um, the more authoritarian the leadership gets. Um, and this is where all of these multi-trillion omnibus, we wrote this thing on New Year's Eve and you're going to have to vote for Christmas Eve or you're going to have to vote for it without reading it. Otherwise, you don't get to home for, go, go home for Christmas. That's, that's where this whole process has come from. So I'm sort of curious to see if, if one, if McCarthy can pull it out And two, if the people opposing him can extract some some wildly crazy concessions like, hey, how about a regular budget process or why not actually allow amendments on the floor for people that have different opinions? Crazy, like insane stuff like that. So, So
1: it's been 100 years since the last time a speaker race had to go into multiple votes. Really? Um, wow. Yeah. I didn't realize
0: that. Cause yeah, I yeah, know t- the last time I think it was a Jim Jordan ended up pulling, uh, 15 or 16 votes right in the last, last round. They did.
1: Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. And so like, and ev- the one year, I think it was 1856 or 55. Don't quote me. Cause I'm not that great at history. It took until March for them to come up oh, with wow. a speaker. And historically, when the speaker races like this have been so challenging, it's when the country are is so polarized, um, which is really, really fascinating. And from my standpoint, if it takes them until March to settle the speakers' race, that's great because Congress can't do anything until they elect a speaker.
0: Yeah. So they yeah, can't exactly. do
1: bad things.
0: Yeah, exactly right. Well, you know, I you know, talk about the polarization going on right now. And this will lead us into what the main topic we want to talk about, which is, you know, the Twitter files. Obviously, they've been released on various topics. Sadly, I was really hoping we were going to get the Fauci files because Elon's, you know, teasing them. And I'm like, God, come on, drop Tuesday. No such luck. So, of course, you know, the second uh, this podcast ends is when they will be released. But, I mean, I look at everything that's happening with the country. You look at Twitter as this basically de facto uh, center of conversation, even when it was being heavily censored, and people knew about it, you were still on there because it's where you have to be. And I wonder about you know just how much polarization has occurred because of the intentional censorship, because of this manufactured narrative that's being pushed through around COVID, around all these different topics. I mean, do you think that Twitter is to blame for a lot of what we're seeing right now politically and in divides in the country?
2: Well, it's it depends what you mean by Twitter because. I'm starting to, and I'm going to put on my tinfoil hat about this point in a conversation. Have
1: you actually taken it off today?
2: I'm starting to think.
0: <laughs> I, I just figured every hat is lined with tinfoil that you own. Yeah. yeah well,
2: there's a reason I'm wearing this hat. Um, <laughs> yeah. But like you, you realize that like I used to be a, a, a wild romantic, you go read back and read my last book. I was a, such a romantic about the power of of social media and platforms like Twitter and Facebook. To to radically democratize everything, you know, starting with with knowledge and and minority opinions, like like libertarians would have, we would finally have equal footing with with the big guys, and that and that was absolutely true, and 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 it it very much led to um, the breakup of a lot of top down institutions that were dictating how we thought and what we did, and you know, the one thing that didn't happen was politics. Um, and I think my, my theory right now is that the Tea Party sort of started um, the Empire Strikes Back phase of social media when, when the government agents and the deep state and the political parties and whatever this blob is that controls this entire apparatus, they're like, we got to get a handle on this because people are starting to think for themselves. They're starting to speak their minds. And, and um, the Twitter files finally reveal something That we all knew and we've been talking about for years, but we didn't know to the extent to which the social media and government agencies, particularly the defense industrial complex type agencies, um, are working hand in glove. Like it it may be indistinguishable where that censorship's coming from. You know, is it Twitter? Is Twitter captured? Are they are they sort of the regulatory bitches of government agencies that can destroy them if they want to? Or are they enjoying it just as much. And I don't think we know anymore because because so many of, of these former like FBI agents are now working for social media companies.
1: Yep. I mean, you asked if Twitter was to blame. I don't think they had a, a choice, right? I mean, I think government just showed up and it's like, Hey, I've got an offer you can't refuse, kinda of like the mafia. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you're gonna end up with like a dead horse's head um what? in your bed. So yeah, I mean, I
0: think there's something to be said for that, you know, and you talk about that and then you see Joe Biden talking about how, well, we might have to look into this Elon Musk guy and you look at it based on nothing, based on right. nothing. But these are, I mean, this is literally just a, a threat from the the standing president, but the sitting president. But when you talk about the way in which they went about the censorship, whether or not they were, uh, yeah, as you said, bitches or whether they were, you know, rah rahing along with the government – I think that it's a two-part in that the government gave them an excuse to lean on their base instincts to be authoritarian censors. And that is, you know, so often in big tech, when you have the people on the left, you do see them leaning towards authoritarianism, leaning towards um, censorship of any speech they deem to be not in their best interest or not in the best interest of, quote-unquote, humanity, whatever you know, their vision of humanity is. Unfortunately, as we know, with the left, it tends to be these social causes, social um, movements that typically have no chance of really making a a successful impact, but still they will die on the cross in order to push them forward. So I think it was the perfect excuse for them to really just kind of go hog wild.
2: Let me see if I can get this. And I'm going to butcher it, but um, you guys can shame me for it. But there's a classic um, theory in public choice theory called uh, boot, bootleggers and baptists which was the unholy alliance of of people that didn't want you to drink and people that would profit if the government banned the legal sale of alcohol that coalesced to to come up with a regulatory structure that uh, that ultimately used the the baptists as as sort of useful idiots for the purpose of the boot boot bootleggers bootleggers I, I wanted to say bootleggers but i'm thinking well, that's
1: well, that's, maybe. that's that's
2: that's the twitter staff but i thought you were
0: right. trying to figure out if you had to uh, if the plural for bootleggers was like octopi you know, <laughs> you're trying to convert that in your mind <laughs>
2: well, hold on I, let me just take a drink and i'll be fine <laughs>
0: there you go yeah what are you guys drinking by the way
2: manhattans
1: oh, uh manhattans yep with my uh favorite bourbon angels envy
0: oh nice
1: yeah,
2: angels totally. angels envy my my recipe leans heavily on bourbon and light on on um Anything everything else <laughs> because it, it adulterates what which what could be a nice dry cocktail but uh agreed
0: agreed but, all right so but, anyway I, I interrupted you back to your bootleggers
2: so so back to back to this this analogy you have sort of this woke censorous ideology that that i think truly believes that there's a correct way that there is a science and that we can trust the experts and and that they could actually sort of micromanage the language so that nobody's ever offended. It's this very scientistic, weird thing that's hard to get your hands around. And they're the useful idiots. They're the they're the Baptists in this analogy because that is a religion, um, and it's it it can be quite mindless at times. And I think you know you see all these um, you know the woke tokenism coming out of, of the military. And the CIA and the FBI and all these guys, and I, th- I think they're they're playing those cards as a way to basically censor political speech. So I think I think it's um, I think it's both going on at the same time. Ultimately, um, I don't think these social media companies get away with it without the government um, either forcing them or paying them all these things that they're doing. Ultimately, it's it's uh, it's still a libertarian story. It's not sort of an anti-big tech corporate story. Um, but the combination is is devastating. And by the way, what is the technical definition? Here goes my tinfoil hat thing. The technical definition of government control of the means of production. Look it mm-hmm. up, kids. It's there's a word for it. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, let me Can add something. You tell them?
2: I'm not you gotta look it up. I'm not gonna <laughs> tell you what it is.
0: <laughs> no, I have to Google it. Um so socialism? Uh no, I uh I wanted to make it... Sorry, I'm putting on my slipper. My feet are freezing in my little den back here. <laughs> That's what I literally what I was doing right there. Did, did, uh, you, li- I, did you literally just get out of bed? I, no, no. I, I got up. I showered. Then I was like, I'm still still pretty tired. I lay back on the couch, watch some X-Files to prepare our tinfoil hats together, yeah. uh, you know, prepping it. And uh, Which, actually, I was kind of thinking of something funny. Totally off topic. We'll get back to the Twitter files. But how, if you look at the FBI and what the FBI has become... Right, I was trying to think like what iteration of the FBI is probably the most true to life these days, and uh, and I don't know. It may be maybe the X Files, you know, maybe because the, the FBI is corrupt, the government's corrupt. Like they they really, you know, this might be the one. Except that they made the FBI out to be heroes in the X Files, when of course they're all villains. Well, um, like so th- now I'm going to keep going down this rabbit hole because
2: uh, we're, <laughs> what which show were we watching? We were watching um oh, Jack, Jack Ryan. Ryan. Hmm. And, and the,
1: the new season and,
2: and Homeland would follow in the same category. And I, I really liked Homeland, but the, the this mythology that there's these, um, public servants and, um, what's his name in X-Files fits this oh, category yeah, as well. Fox Mulder, Fox yeah. Mulder, yeah. like constantly doubted, constantly undercut, always looking around the corner and understanding what's really going on his, his, his own boss, Is trying to kneecap him. His career is ruined, and I think doesn't Fox Mulder ultimately get fired? I think so. I I stopped watching
0: after like eight or nine seasons when it kind of got wonky, and then yeah, he left. So I think they canned him eventually.
2: But this whole like, there's this um, there's this genre of government agents who are these um, selfless heroes that are constantly being threatened by their bosses, but they're willing to sacrifice um, their careers and their lives and everything. To, to get the bad guy and save America. The problem is, in the real world, um, there are no people like that. Yeah. And it would, it would be wildly <laughs> irrational and you would just get disappeared if you were like that. In,
1: in the real world, government is a cross between um, House of Cards and Veep. Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah. not sure which version is worse. <laughs> Uh,
0: I think I, I'd be envious if uh, if we had a Veep situation full bore. I oh, would actually yes, think yeah. I'd enjoy that better. Um, but yeah, well, watch, watch watch a Kamala Harris speech if you're if you're doubting yeah. the metaphor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the you know, regarding the Twitter files, circling back around to that, right, and the aspect of of co- really control that was exercised. What was amazing to see in so many of the Twitter files, especially from the FBI's standpoint, was what they were flagging and how insignificant so much of it was. They had, I think, 80, 80 agents working on it. And just, you know, to go into these infinitesimally small accounts and and say you have to remove this content or you have to, you know, shadow ban it or, you know, whatever it was, de-hashtag it, whatever the, these various terms are they had, just shows you, number one, we've got way too many FBI agents with apparently far too much time to investigate American citizens doing nothing wrong. And two, the fact that they're allocating this manpower in these pure and specific effort to censor, is just, you know, such a punch in the gut and really does confirm the worst fears about government agencies, especially these quote unquote deep state. I mean, the Twitter files have confirmed the deep state is out there and they are out to get you.
2: <laughs> yeah. So like I always use the metaphor of, I don't know if you ever went to the the boardwalk when you were a kid and you played this game called whack-a-mole Yeah, and, of this, course. and, and the mole pops up and you try to whack it and you always miss it. And then you try to get another one. Um, And as this goes back to sort of the Tea Party, Ron Paul revolution metaphor for the, you know, for the first time we had people talking against the monolithic government narrative about, about the never ending wars, about the Federal Reserve, about spending money. We don't have all that stuff. And, you know, those two movements were, were quite mashed up at one point. And I, and then guys like Mike Lee get elected and Rand Paul gets elected and, and a bunch of people got elected that they didn't want to get elected. And I, I would actually lump Donald Trump into this, into this narrative and are like, and at some point they're like, wow, this social media thing is going to kill us. This, mm-hmm. this decentralization and technology is going to kill us. So they've been working I, at least since 2018, when Mark Zuckerberg testified, um, before Congress, um, I think that that they've been growing this insanely large apparatus, and the Twitter files expose just how many FBI agents were were reading the jokes mm-hmm. of some dude yep. with fifteen followers in what was clearly a sarcastic comment, which is what Twitter is for, after all. And they're like, "This guy must be stopped." Yeah, <laughs> like, <he's- laughs> what is going on? So it is like to Terry's point, it's it's somewhere between House of Cards and Veep because you can't tell. Um, what was that? Uh, did you know the uh, movie Burn Before Reading? Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I've yeah. I seen. That's, of that's years
1: actually out. probably worth it it's, it's reading a it's a, a better
2: and that's uh, that's a Coen Brothers movie about the ineptness of the of the deep state and and their their clownish pursuit of things that they don't understand and it's all ridiculous. So, I th- I think all of these things um, come to real life and and uh, we should we should be freaked out, but. But I also think it it means that they're they're scared to death that that people with alternative views, particularly liberty views, are actually getting traction right. and winning. And we shouldn't we shouldn't just be pessimistic about what's going on. We should say, like, wow, they're they're so freaked out. This is such a ham-fisted way to try to censor the American people that they must be panicked, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I would think so completely. I mean, it almost reminds me of what's going on in China right now because we're seeing China crack down, obviously, on social media. They crack down on gaming. And I and and my theory, again, this is my tinfoil hat, but I think it holds up, was that they closed down the gaming platforms and limited the amount of time people could game because that was where, because of the social media censorship, that was where people could actually talk right. and interact and share their their thoughts and feelings and, and be unhindered. <laughs> so you look at now what's happening in the U.S. government, the efforts to censor. And I said, you know, I agree completely. I think they are terrified of the power of what's happening there. But at the same time, I think you are also seeing the, the concrete maneuvers that they've made, like two, lean in with regulatory, you know, powers like with Facebook to undermine the ability of new startup companies to emerge and, and you know, have success in the space. And I think this is a very intentional act. And there's a reason, though, not that I'm a huge fan of, uh, you know, trying to break companies up or saying that the government should get involved. But I think there's a very specific reason why, despite some calls to investigate Facebook and stop them from buying up all these other social media platforms, they're more than happy to have them do it. Because they're working so tightly in conjunction with them that it's just easier for the government to operate with one that controls eight than to have to go after and, and whack-a-mole them, as you said earlier. Yeah,
1: I've, I've had a saying that I recently modified, but for years I've said that conservatives have always feared the power of big government and progressives or liberals have always feared the power of big business. But libertarians have always feared when big business and big government collude. And the Twitter right. files and all of this prove libertarians right. But I realized that I have to amend my statement that I've been using for years now, which is that conservatives used to be concerned about the power of big government and progressives used to be concerned about the power of big business. And and now they're just more like you said, more than happy to exploit it and, and work together to just make it more more bad how's that
0: yeah ever ever more potent
1: ever more potent i wonder
2: wonder how many of those those lockdown soy boys regret that (laughs) pfizer tattoo
0: oh god i know (laughs) the one guy that had the giant covid uh you know molecule or whatever with the the, you know just embarrassing
1: that's almost as bad as naming your daughter daenerys
0: Oh God, I know the number of people I saw. I mean, I, we were naming our kid, like we named her Vale, V-A-L-E, our, our new daughter, but yeah, looking through the baby names, cause we're like, we just want to avoid so many. Let's see what the worst are. And Jesus Christ. People have no creativity, nor in it, it, the power of individual thought is just completely lost and critical thinking. Like maybe I shouldn't name my kid this stupid thing, but let me ask you this. So we're talking about how I, I also am, am, scared, but white-pilled in regards to people waking up to the power of censorship and government collusion, right? I'm very white-pilled on that. I'm hoping that people are going to wake up. But at the same time, it does give me a lot of worry in regards to the Twitter files that are exposing what's happened. And then you look at the power of Google, which just controls so much of everything we do, the, you know, the search results, YouTube, you know, all these other different different avenues, even your emails. You know, there was right. that scandal where supposedly they weren't letting emails come through from conservatives. That power is still unchallenged. And we are not seeing any Google files come out uh, anytime in the near future that I can tell. So I mean, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I, how prolific is this? And what well, do you think well, be when
1: when is Elon going to be able to buy Google? And then yeah. we'll know. Then we'll know <laughs> yeah, for <right>? sure. <laughs>
2: Um, well, like the, so I, I was reading, um, about an hour ago, the latest tranche of the Twitter files, not the Fauci files, mm-hmm. but Matt Tiabi, is that how you say his name? T- yeah. People keep correcting me. T E B T E B T T E B. Yeah. And T and yeah. Yeah. And as an aside, <laughs> um, Matt T E B and some of these other guys who are heroes in the Twitter files, these are guys that used to piss all over me when I was a Tea Party leader I'm oh, um, sure and I, I think it's I personally I think it's kind of awesome because I think the new um, the new political divide is between authoritarians and anti-authoritarians and I'll I love to work with people that I would otherwise disagree with on stuff but but he he released a tranche about an hour ago and this is not new news but you ask about Google but but Google Facebook and Twitter, we're all part of the same communications loop with the FBI, the CIA, and some other government agencies, yeah, including, mm-hmm. yeah. And including like uh, acronyms from the administration that I don't even recognize. So they, they were all part of this from day one. So of course, Google's not going to release those internal records, but Elon Musk has them because mm-hmm. they're all CC'd on the same emails. So I think we're going to find out what's what what they've all been doing and it's like it's classic monopolist behavior, sort of, sort of pandering to the regulators, to make it more and more difficult for for the next um, right. upstart company to come up and, and challenge them. You can't imagine the army of lawyers they have um, managing their relationships with the government right now. It's yeah. it would be impossible for a startup to compete in that world.
0: Well, you think about also over in the UK, you know, or maybe it's actually the broader EU. I think now with their specific laws on hate speech and what you can and can't say and you know all these different rules for and regulations that companies have to go and enforce on social media. I don't know how you would possibly do it if you're a small company coming up like you know there's one cover or one uh, social site called Retalk that I was uh, I was working with. And, you know, it's a growing site, but still, you know, he's based in Hungary. And I have to wonder, like, as, as this site grows, man, how are you going to keep up? You know, how would you possibly pay for the, you know, the people, the AI, the uh, the people to go through and comb it on top of lawyers, on top of all these other things to deal with the regulations as the site grows? You know, finding that equilibrium has got to be almost impossible.
2: The other thing is the, the money trail, right? So then... And- and part of this was revealed where where the government was actually paying or reimbursing mm-hmm. Twitter, depending on what your preferred nomenclature is, and and that that was news to me. But I even if there wasn't such a direct um, financial um, compensation for for obeying the rules of the government game, um, the government itself, and certainly government uh, um, government uh, contractors like pharmaceutical companies. They're spending the majority of the bucks on these social media sites. so
1: they're like the lar- the, um, the government is like the largest advertiser.
2: Yeah. Mm. So even if even if it's not like um, under the table, sort of here's some cash, do what we say. Um, there's there's huge financial incentive for these guys to play along, and I would expand that. Like we talk about the corporate media. Well, I think the corporate media is basically um, bought and paid for by the government at this point. So we're bitching about corporate media, but it's really just, um, it's it's like Pravda 2.0, some, yeah. something like
0: that. You see that so often also just with the rotating door between presidents. Yeah, the White House and the media is a constant churning right. door where it's just in and out. I mean, you saw it constantly with you know Bush, Obama, everybody. So then you go, all right, not only do you have media members going in and out, but as we see now with social media, with the deep state, you have members of, you know, The former head of the CIA is now off, you know, the head of the FBI is now with Twitter. He's now at MSNBC speaking on behalf of, you know, whatever interests uh, are out there to support. It's 100% something that I think has been exposed as being untrustworthy to the population. And that's where I think the new Twitter, though, should all the, you know, all the censorship be removed, let's say, let's trust Elon's going to do that, right? We don't really know, but let's say he's going to do it. I think it's going to force mainstream media to be more honest, Because you're gonna see a real time reflection of people's honest opinions, of counterfacts to this this prevailing narrative that's being pushed through. And I think it's gonna either force them to be better or people will see that it is that pravda that we do live in the same society where we're just being fed this wad of horseshit all the time.
1: This is when you get to use your favorite word.
0: Disintermediation.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Terry Terry finds (laughs) me. Terry finds me every time I use that, it, <laughs> it, it means the same thing you just said, but oh, okay. you could also call it like the Joe Rogan effect. Cause mm-hmm. um, I think the the, the, the only way that the, this information cartel sustains itself is that if everybody's playing the same game and if Twitter's not, and if Joe Rogan's not, and if there's more and more places where people can get an honest, unfiltered take on things, I mean, I I think that's, if you want to understand the Joe Rogan phenomenon, that's, that's it in a nutshell. He was the first guy to respect his audience enough to ask honest questions or respect his guests and let them talk and, and just explore ideas that he found curious that used to be, maybe, I don't know if it ever was, but that, that was what the media was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And now um, because of these same technological forces that I've been so optimistic about that, um, it has un- unleashed this, and I think, um, I, I forget my Star Wars analogy, but you know, the Empire Strikes Back. But, um, whatever the next one is, we're we're coming return back. I think it involves Ewoks, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: the, the Return of the Jedi. Yeah, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. There's well, there's going to be a lot of fucking free speech Ewoks out there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think you're right. Actually, I was going to ask you guys in what in your efforts, you know, you do a lot of outreach and meet with a lot of people, obviously to you know to fundraise for the work at Free the People. Have you found that it's getting a little easier after the release of the Twitter files to talk to people? Have you found more people are saying, you know what, this is something we have to invest more in, you know, are people's doors opening or the phones ringing a little bit more often? Honestly, I don't, I don't think, uh, investors know about it yet. I think it's got to trickle
2: out mm-hmm. and, and people have to sort of realize the Fauci files may in fact break that through, but you remember most of media is not covering the Twitter files. And so unless you're, oh, yeah, Unless you're on Twitter, you don't even know that this outrageous stuff's happening.
1: I mean, we are going to, like, get out there on the road again in January and February a lot and start meeting with our donors. And, yes, this is a great example and proves what we've been telling them for the last, you know, four or five years since we've been doing this, that you can't rely on these other platforms, that you have to have another way forward and free the people is that honest and amazing path.
2: Yeah, we've we've been struggling with this because we've, um, you know, we're not we're not right-wing clickbait at all. Our stuff is, is specifically designed to reach people outside of either libertarian or conservative or constitutional bubbles. Um, But, but I am 100% convinced that our content is suppressed and, Mm -hmm. and we have plenty of evidence to see that that's true. Yeah.
1: I mean, we can absolutely see it now when we were looking at the end of year at our, at all of our metrics. Um, I mean, Mm. our audience is growing, but our views and, and everything and engagement is going down. It's, it's just right yeah. there. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing to, to see.
0: Well, do you guys ever get your content pulled? Cause I know, you know, we'll get regular strikes. Like we've had a strike against our YouTube channel that just keeps getting replaced because they find as soon as they disappear a strike, they add a new one on for whatever, you know, something from three years ago. Have you had a lot of that where you've had any, any flags or anything pulled uh, down?
1: I mean, we've had a couple flags, but we kind of pride ourselves on, not having been censored or or pulled Mm. down. I mean, they will sometimes challenge ads that we're going to run. They once challenged an ad that we were going to run that was, it was last Christmas, and it was a t-shirt with Santa on it. And it said, don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. And they said that that violated their community (laughs) standards. Why? (laughs) Well, the one, anger
0: the Jews and no Santas.
1: <laughs> or we want to take people's stuff. I don't know. But um, right, yeah.
2: <laughs> the want like, um, I would say before COVID, um, we would have never had a problem with explicit censorship. They, w- they would pl- put warnings, and I think this was a Facebook thing. Anything where we were like doing a history lesson on Mao's um, cultural revolution, they'd put a warning this is violent flag Mm -hmm. over top our video, which kills, kills your, kills your, um, views. But the one video that actually got pulled down for a while, we finally got it put back up, but it again, killed the trajectory of the the growth was an interview I did with Ron Paul pretty early on where he just went off on masks. And, and this, Mm -hmm. here's a doctor who, who, who knows something about, about the, the history of why you use masks and why you don't. And, and he just went off on that. And that and that video was killing it, but but YouTube pulled it down. Right.
0: That so. is the one. Not, and, he, and there's no surprise, because I'm sure the government said, hey, yeah. this has to be pulled down. And even though right. Biden's current head of COVID, the COVID czar, just said there's no study that's ever existed in which proves that masks are effective against this. Yeah. That's, right. that's a straight fact. It's been the same fact for years, but- Your video pulled down, censorship all over Twitter. You couldn't tweet about it. You could talk about it. I mean, our videos got pulled down for the same thing. And it just, you know, I I don't know how many people are seeing that. Because, again, you have to go to Twitter. It wasn't covered in the mainstream media. Right. Right. So, but I have to think at least on some level, people are seeing just what the truth is being reflected in their everyday lives. Because I haven't seen a huge uptick in mask wearing. I don't know if you've seen it in D.C., of course. Yeah, maybe there yeah. <laughs> would. But even in LA, I'm not seeing a ton of people adopt masks, even though they're saying the new round of COVID's out there. So I think people have woken up to that fact. And I'm praying that when the Fauci files come out, that we're finally going to see a little bit more, hopefully, evidence to talk about the vacations, quote unquote, since I don't want to combine these words to get this video pulled, and heart <laughs> issues, you know, and yeah. the yeah. efficacy with children, all these other things where, I mean, in the Bills, um, oh, who are they playing? The uh, the Bills game last night on the, the NFL. Bengals. The Bills Bengals. I mean, a 24-year-old player in the prime of his youth, you know, a tip-top physical athlete, keels over and has a heart attack in the middle of a football game. I've never seen that before. And I can't, I'm not going to say it explicitly, but I would be surprised if he wasn't very much full of a certain mRNA-based
1: substance. Right. And it was fascinating reading the articles today about it where they were coming up with like medical excuses as to how it could have happened. Like if if he was hit in the chest at like this one particular like 40 millisecond moment when his heart was beating in such a way that could have caused it.
0: Right. Well, I was, and of course, Jupiter and Mars had to be lined right, up, and Uranus right. was, uh, you know. Well, <laughs> let's
2: let's not talk about
0: Uranus. <laughs> that's a different podcast. <laughs> we were that's, um, that's Kibby on Liberty after dark. <laughs> so again, like
1: are you going to talk about the guy we passed on the street today?
2: No, was going to talk about the CNN clip we we're watching oh. in. So I don't watch CNN, but we're sitting in Rand's office, and, and this will probably ruin his. Yeah, why,
0: is, why does Rand have it on just to get him fired up to, I, to I go guess. into battle I guess. or something? You know, it's, is well, it like what when I, football players are whacking each other on the helmets? It's just yeah. getting. Yeah. Get I, I mean, angry? I read
1: the New York Times and the Washington Post every morning before I get out of bed just to piss Oof. me off to get up. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> every day, I jump out and stomp the ground with Rand. <laughs> but there is like that
2: story that Terry told. Like, how would you even know this story about? I forget what they call it, but this this particular theory that if you hit the guy in the heart in exactly Mm -hmm. the right way, it can trigger a heart attack. Um, CNN is, is contributing all their time to this. And I'm like, why? Like I I get that you would be like, we're, we're very concerned about this guy and our hearts go out to him and, and prayers. But it seemed like the corporate media was out there driving a narrative to prevent people from saying, well, that's weird. Yeah, We should probably, like we should right. investigate that. Um, and I, I do think that there's, there's, there's some sort of broader um, government capture of media going on right now that needs to be exposed. And I, and, and maybe we will never expose it, but getting back to this idea of, of, you know, we, we believe in markets and competition. I think as long as Elon holds strong as long as Joe Rogan can't be fired from Spotify because otherwise Spotify goes out of business, you're going to see a dramatic shift away from the already dying corporate media dinosaurs to places where we're allowed to ask those questions. And I I don't I don't think you should jump to conclusions, but I think you should be allowed to ask those questions yeah. specifically because the the government science industrial complex is completely devoid of credibility. So yeah, we got we got to do it. Um, I wish that we trusted scientists enough to do it for us. Yeah, it's
0: kind of sad then that. I think that's going to be a big point of fallout from all this, from the COVID era, is that what can you trust now? You know, we were told the experts, trust the experts, trust the experts. Well, they were lying to us the entire time. The experts have been wrong from, you know, every single moment of COVID, basically. So what experts are there to trust? And I mean, there's probably going to be some people that, trust the wrong people. You know, like uh, who is that, that uh, liver King guy, you know, it was all roided up and uh, selling, I don't even know supplements. Some people are going to trust the liver King because <laughs> that's their alternative to the government narrative now. Yeah. Fine. But in the free market of ideas, you, know, you should still have good science rise to the top right. based on good data and showing efficacy of a product or or a solution. So we shall see. But Talking about the you know the death of the expert class and how the the government I think's killed it off. We did see so many you know, experts in cardiology get removed from Twitter, get censored for just expressing opinions or giving the CDC's own data, and that was being censored. So when you see that happening too, I think there's no way around people going okay. We now have to find alternatives. To your point, we have to find alternative sources for news and media and everything else. And I wonder if there is going to be some other alternative science uh, coalition that can be created that'll pop up out of this of scientists and, and you know medical professionals that actually want to be taken seriously and want to escape this this you know government control narrative.
2: Well, you know the 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 you know the whole metaphor about is is media completely financially captured by government you can ask the same thing about science and particularly Mm -hmm. medical research. And, and this goes back to, to Fauci and, and, and by the way, this was Republicans that did this weaponizing NIAID to be this center of biosecurity, um, back when, when Dick Cheney was vice president. And, and that's when all this stuff happened, that that's when Fauci became the Fauci that we know and, and distrust so much. Um, he now, um he he retired, but the new guy, whoever I forget his name, but he's Fauci number two.
0: yeah, I'm um, not sure who just uh, yeah, what his name is? you just stepped up.
2: There is a complete centralization of funding for research on these subjects. And mm-hmm. either the government finances it or if the government refuses to finance it, it probably cuts off um, whatever private funding is left. So you you have this this complete centralization of science, which is anathema to what science is supposed to be. So I think, um, there's a reason why people go to Joe Rogan, who's a comedian to get their science mm-hmm. because right. he's, he's a more, he's a more credible scientific researcher because he'll have guys on that are willing to sort of break from the the cartel. Um, so I, I think it still works, but it's not going to come from the scientific community, the formal one, the university based yeah. system, because they're all captured.
1: Well, and, yep. and on a, it's it's very much related. But we've been talking about this for a while. The whole big sugar and and big soda. Um, so you know, Coca Cola has been funding research for years that says, well, you can eat whatever you want, you just have to exercise more. Mm-hmm. And then we just read yesterday a guy's writing a book, and I actually I don't remember his name, but I I double checked his math because I'm an engineer and I like doing that weird shit. Um, and he came up and he said that. He took like the the amount of money that's used from what's a uh, food stamps. What are they called now? A step a uh, SNAP. SNAP. The, the amount of money on from SNAP that is spent on soda, right? And then figured out Coca Cola's market share of soda and discovered that f- like forty or forty five percent of Coca wow. Cola's revenue comes from food stamps from SNAP. So they're basically getting all of their money from the government and then funding studies that shows that sugar is okay, And, you know, the whole food pyramid is all fucked up and it all it all just kind of goes back to as with everything, follow the money and it always goes back to government. Right. Well,
0: it's well, it's like the NIH. You know, after all this, all the lies and the censorship and the uh, completely wrong predictions and handling of COVID had been exposed. Forty-five billion dollars, or maybe it was forty-eight billion dollars, was just in the omnibus bill to fund the NIH. Right. Right. So clearly, you know, no accountability. Well, clearly, give them more money then. But well, that that was
2: the the takeaway. um, I forget what it was called, but it was a national security memo from the Biden administration, um, and. It was about how we're going to respond to the next pandemic. And it basically doubled down on every failed policy that we have right now because the, the lesson from lockdowns is that we didn't lock down early enough. The lesson Wait, from but, testing is that we didn't test early enough.
1: Yeah. Or, or enough.
2: The, le- the lesson from vaccinations and boosters is, is that we needed them earlier. <laughs> and, and so they're, they're going to double down on this whole scientific paradigm which is going to lead, shockingly, going to lead to massive new funding for all of these agencies that are feeding off of, of the panic and the failure and all the things that they've and, done.
1: And wasn't it moving at all under Homeland Security?
2: It, or... it, it explicitly moves it into the defense world, which sort of um, gets back to this whole uh, biosecurity paradigm. This, this wasn't a health paradigm. This was a biosecurity paradigm. That, that led to gain of function, all that stuff. We're still going to get this video striped, by the way.
0: <laughs> oh, I mean, Without a doubt. Well, it's like it's amazing how these people still are, are doubling down, as you said, and tripling down. When you look at China right now, right. which has been the hardest lockdowns, continuous lockdowns, you know, checking the social credit scores, enabling where you can't go. And yet they're having the biggest breakout that they've seen, I think, in the country. And right. it's, it's currently happening after all right. these years of doing it. So, I mean, you've got clear examples. But one thing I just want to circle back to, you know, I was talking about these, you know, the very well known cardiologist. I'm blanking on his name, but he had basically had his medical license
1: yeah.
0: uh, threatened to be removed. And this has happened to numerous people that had spoken out against COVID. And that's where I was kind of floating the idea of, do you think that there is a possibility of a, you know, somebody saying, look, we can't have the American Medical Association be the solo truth. You know, the the arbiter of what is good medicine anymore and who's a doctor anymore because they're taking people's medical licenses away for stating the truth. What are your thoughts on that? Do Do you think we're there yet? Do you think it'll happen?
2: You know, uh, well, we're already there in a, in a, sense for, for people that can afford to, you can opt out of the healthcare system and go concierge medicine.
1: And if That's you true. actually, if you yeah. actually
2: want to get a doctor, um, and I suggested this when they fired all of the nurses and doctors who were, um, previously, um, infected with COVID and survived. So they had natural immunity. You have this, this army of folks out there with all this incredible talent. Um, I think the same thing's going to happen with, uh, with the sort of caste system of, of all of these, um, medical association, accreditation Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Um, let's, let's just break out of the system. And unfortunately that leaves a lot of people stuck in the system, but that, again, that's, that's how markets might work. Let's show that there's an alternative way to get your healthcare. And Oh, by the way, it's going to be radically cheaper once it becomes mainstream. But,
1: um, the problem though, with that is that, if you aren't accredited by these people and you practice medicine, you will you go to arrested. jail.
2: Yeah, so you have to <laughs> yeah, change. <exactly. laughs>
1: like government has to change, and that's I don't see that happening. Or, or, so that's you, a problem. or
2: you fly to Mexico,
1: or Guatemala. If, yeah.
2: it, if you think about um, um, not concierge medicine, but uh, medical tourism, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. I've actually gotten a lot of dental work done in Guatemala because my wife doesn't love me enough to. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you are so full of shit. I might have to get a
0: crown or I might go to Mexico to get a crown. No, bar. if you
1: like honestly, wait, here's here's an advertisement. Um, if you do need to go get a crown, don't go to Mexico. Go to Guatemala with us. Uh University no, Francis- There you go. Yes. <laughs> University team put, put Francis- in Guatemala City has done Matt's crown and they are
0: they're, amazing. They're the best.
1: They're like it's it was a better experience than the crown he had done here in DC and <laughs> a fraction of the cost. And they have great rum in Guatemala. So let's do a trip. <laughs>
0: all right, all right, count me in. I need to get the tooth done. So we'll figure it out. And I'm there. I actually have a, I had an old client that's uh, that's from Guatemala for a uh, an interesting organization called Yahad in Unum. And they were a Catholic priest who went around and found victims of the Holocaust that were murdered outside of Auschwitz. You know, like shot in fields and Roma. Mm-hmm. Like interesting stuff, if I do say so myself. So, what do you think is going to be forthcoming? Let's do a little predictions here, right? We don't know what's happening with the Fauci files. What do you think is going to be in them? Let your conspiracy mind run wild. What do you think we're going to find out, and just how evil is this going to get?
2: So, so we were talking about science fiction analogies earlier, and my ultimate science fiction analogy is Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. And if uh, have you watched the show? So
0: yeah, I, I haven't seen the latest season. I watched the, the first three uh, seasons all, all you have to
2: you have to watch the first season to get this analogy. You have a rogue government agency doing wildly experimental things to stop this this big threat from somewhere else in this case the Soviet Union and in the process of these mad science experiments, they unleash hell on earth and I think, Um, Fauci is, is sort of the tip of the iceberg when it comes to what was actually going on. And my own prediction, which is based on nothing other than knowing how Washington works is that they're going to throw Fauci under the bus Mm. and they're going to sacrifice him so that people with far more power than he had will not be exposed for, for what I, I believe, like I, I, actually believe that, um, our taxpayer dollars financed, some really dangerous research that led to the death of millions of people. Mm-hmm. And I think that the powers that be are going to want to cover that up. So I think, I think Fauci is going to go down and um, I think that we may or may not know who's ultimately responsible.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's how government works. You never know, but Terry, I, yeah. Terry's
2: like, my husband's so crazy.
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> I was going to talk about Gate for a second.
0: Oh, let's talk about Gate. Oh yeah. Horrible.
1: Yeah, so um, we're actually having, tomorrow, Matt's recording a Kivy on Liberty um, with Justin from White White Coat Coat Waste Waste Project, Project,
2: Hmm. um,
1: where he's going to talk about all of this. And then we learned today- And
2: there there are things all about exposing the abuse of animals in in government research.
1: And which Mm -hmm. Fauci did a lot of. And we just learned today that not only did he focus on beagles, because beagles are like so compliant that they're easy to experiment on which is just so awful
2: yeah people love you so much that they're great to do horrible science experiments on
1: but he has also done um experiments and they've done experiments with cats and that really pissed us off yeah that's
0: you are cat people. That's know, for I'm sure. I was going to say I'm, I've got a volu- I'll volunteer my one dog. He is a <laughs> son of a bitch who has literally—I think I told you—literally torn my ball sack open, and yet he is not dead because I am a saint. A fucking saint. That's an awkward story. I'll say for another. I'll say for an in-person drinking time. Uh, yeah, that story of that, when he that should probably
2: be over. a video, to
0: be yeah. honest <laughs> with you. In, I, in,
1: I, in slow motion.
0: You know, actually, Jason Stapleton, uh, if you yeah. know Jason, uh, has yeah. seen a picture of my my ball scar actually it was at his and i was his, at his wedding we were out drinking at his wedding and i should snapped a shot in the bathroom to prove it really happened but anyway That's,
1: well at least you didn't drop your pants like in the main restaurant no
0: them, no i was tempted you know? i was tempted <laughs> so i yeah i think there's going to be I, to your point i think the beagle stuff could definitely come out i think you're going to see a lot of very self-serving and especially twitter had a i think a fans of Fauci or Fauci's fan club stack chat or slack chat as well. Yeah. So I think we're going to see them censoring just absolutely ridiculous things on behalf of this man, you know, and it's going to be the Beagle stuff censoring the horrible things he did. It's going to be anything about Wuhan and research, anything about gain of function and everything tying him financially to any benefit. That's what I think we're going to find out more than anything is that they're they're really protecting the financials.
1: Will Amazon still be allowed to sell the prayer candles with Fauci's image on them?
0: <laughs> I, sh- I wish I had bought one of those just to, <laughs> just to light it on fire and you know? hire a prostitute, Saint put Fauci. it up her butt.
1: St. Fauci. Yeah.
2: St. Well, Fauci. E- Elon, um, this, this wasn't new news, but it's bigger news when Elon retweets the fact that Fauci's wife is actually the ethics czar at NIH that would oversee yeah. whether or not he was overstepping the bounds because the whole question of, uh, of gain of function research, there were, there were strict prohibitions on this and it's, 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 it's suggested that, that Fauci slipped around those to do those things. And I believe it was in 2012, he wrote an academic article that it's, it's amazing how open they were and no one was paying attention mm-hmm. back when we should have been paying attention, but Fauci, actually writes that um, some people believe that gain-of-function research um, could be catastrophic should there be a lab leak. Well, I say the risk is worth it. <laughs> and so if you think about that in the context of what he was open, not not what he was saying behind closed doors, but what he was openly saying, yep. and then you see what he did to, to Martin Koldorf and Jay Bhattacharya and, and calling them fringe epidemiologists, mm-hmm. um, He's covering his ass, and I gotta believe where there's smoke, there's
0: fire. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Well, I would be uh, for one. I know it's not going to solve the problem, but I still would love it if they do throw him under the bus. Um, I'll take great pleasure in it.
1: Yeah, I know? mean, there's a, there's a reason why he retired.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And there's a reason why you could see he, they slowly were pushing him out of the spotlight as right. leading up to this as well. You know, it's yeah. no coincidence. Right. So, yeah, he's going to go into the buzz, And uh, who knows? Maybe he'll, he'll end up in Arkansas um, having been, quote, unquote, robbed of nothing with a bullet in his head. <laughs> who knows? We'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> he, he might
2: he might do the Russian vacation and do a slip and fall out a window. Who knows? Right, yeah, Yeah.
0: get defense traded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, guys, tell everybody where they can find you, everything you do. I want to thank you for coming on the show. I All mean, You guys are awesome. So where can people find you and follow you?
1: So you can find us on YouTube, um, Free the People channel. Our website is freethepeople.org. You can follow both of us on Twitter at mkibbe and at TKB. Um, We're everywhere. You don't have to look that hard to find us.
0: <laughs> it's, sadly. And, that's, the, unless, that's the problem. When you want to avoid them, they're still
1: there. And, unless, you know, we're bad. All, unless, we're unless they're suppressing us, you can find us everywhere. Yeah.
2: But follow right. us on YouTube
1: is the best way to see all of us. Yeah,
2: and and if uh if something happens, uh we are not suicidal at this very moment. <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right. Well, thank you both again. Matt and Terry kibby free the people. Check it on out. And of course, Kibby on Liberty. Good stuff. And uh thank you both again for coming on. I love you. Cheers. Cheers. Happy New Year. Happy
1: New Year. Let's drink in person soon.
0: Oh, I can't wait. Cannot <laughs> wait. All right. That's going to wrap up the show, guys. From me, Brian McWilliams from the Lions of Liberty Network and from Mean Age Daydream. Keep those electric eyes on me, babe, and keep that ray gun to my head.